This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are diving deep into Warren Buffett's style investing as best we understand it. Which Indeed. boils down Trying to, to understand it, right? It's it. Boils down to four things understand the business, make sure it has a big protective moat, make sure management has talent and integrity, and buy it on sale. Those are the four things. Simple, nothing to it. Simple plus, turns out plus my is fifth, not the same as find easy. Find the mission that you want to support with your money. Oh, there we go. Define the mission you want to support with your money. Yeah, that's really a cool thing. So let's talk about Google some more. You want to? The Googs. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So we ended last time saying let's dive into this complicated company as best we can in an audio format. And my question to you is why? What's happening at Google that's making the price move? And yeah, I mean, Google's a company I've bought. Potentially be an interesting thing to talk about. I've bought Google in the past. I bought it at 200, you know, it's not split adjusted. That was the price at that time after it came public and it went up to 200. And um, made my typical terrible mistake of selling it ever when it came down a long time ago. So I, I took the profits and um, haven't found an opportunity to get back into it again, which is the, the mistake is that when you really try to buy things on sale and then you sell them, it's often virtually impossible to buy them back again for mm -hmm. a decade because they just don't go on sale. These are, when, when we look for businesses, we're obviously looking for a very, very, very good business. That, that's what we're looking for. Well, the fact that that's a very good business is not hidden from Wall Street. Mm -hmm. They all know it's a very good business. And so mm -hmm. they buy it and they just keep buying it because they're willing to accept a much, much lower rate of return um, and want to keep up with the market on a quarter by quarter basis. So that a really good businesses rarely go on sale. You have to be ready to buy them when they do. Uh, but Google is get, is getting there. If, if not there, it's getting there. And obviously the when I think about something being on sale, it's it's a you know it's a certain guesstimate that you have to make about the company. So the windage. I, I think Google's, Google's kind of getting there, and and full disclosure, we bought a bunch of it. So just so you know, um, we're putting the money where our mouth is. So we bought you know a lot of it, millions of dollars worth. And okay. I feel like I feel like I'm in good company. I mean. Google is owned, it's either the most owned company by people I respect or the second most owned company by people I respect. You know, I curated a group of, of out of the 8,000 people that are out there managing money, I, I curated a group of about 50 that I really admire. And we watch what they buy. 
<clears throat> because they have to report it on a quarterly basis. So um, Google is Chris Hone's largest position. It's 22% of his portfolio. And this is, does not include their cash position, which I'm, I'm not aware of. Tweety Brown's largest is 18% of their portfolio. David Tepper's largest, it's 14% of his. Michael Burry, the guy that everybody's very aware of from the big short, um, it is his third largest position, 11% of his portfolio. Tom Russo's, 9% of his. David Abram, 9% of his. Leon Cooperman, 8%. Uh, Bill Von Muffling is 8%. David Rolf, 8%. Seth Klarman, we've talked about Seth here before. He wrote this wonderful book called Margin of Safety, um, which you can buy for only $1,000 online. <laughs> right. <laughs> or you can, download, you can download his PDF for free. Seth, uh, it's his fourth largest position, about 8%. Pat Dorsey, uh, 7%. Wally White's, 7%. These are great investors. And you can see how they've loaded up on this company. So it, it, we feel like we're in really good company to own this. And and we feel like the main reason this has gone on sale, the event that created this to go on sale, is simply a meltdown of the FANG stocks in the market. Okay. Okay. So you've just said a lot of stuff. So let me just pause for a second here. Yeah. One, as you pointed out many times, just because a lot of people that you respect own something doesn't mean that anybody listening should go out and buy it or that it's even a good thing to purchase. Good we all have to make our own investing decisions. And secondly, I have no idea what price we could figure it out by looking at when it appeared in their portfolios, but I have no idea what price all of those people bought it at. And that is the huge variable in the so-and-so owns XYZ company. For sure. And I, I can tell you, none of them probably bought it at the price we bought it at because they they haven't come out with their latest quarter yet. And that means they've owned it earlier. And since it was very high priced, very unlikely they bought it at these high prices. So I'm going to, I would guess they bought it lower than what I bought it for right now. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of big investors bought it years and years ago yeah. and just, just exactly. held it. Well, so, it, may, it may be the best company in the world it's not impossible that it isn't so yeah i mean that's what i want to that's what i want to talk about with you that claim yeah. I, th I think that's fascinating and then thirdly i'm really glad that you said that you have bought it so you are right now talking your book mm -hmm. and what's that there's some phrase people put out about like talking up their book or i don't know whatever um Basically, a lot of investors buy something and then they go on TV and tell everybody how great it is because they want everybody else to buy it, obviously, and uh, thereby help their position. So no, I honestly, I honestly am not doing that. I swear to God. I know you're not. I would I very much like to buy more of this thing a lot cheaper. So we're I'm I'm sort of speaking to you guys as you know as students and. Um, and I think what Danielle said is super important. You you just can't go out and buy this stock because I bought it or there's another group of people who bought it. You have to do your own work. And the main reason, I, we've said this before, is because if this does go down, which I hope it will, but if this does go down and you buy it at this price, you're not going to be in a position to know if I've changed my mind, if these guys Absolutely. have changed my mind, if something big has changed in the company that we all are getting out of. You know, you're not going to be aware of that and you're going to be scared because you know you're not aware of that. 
And so you, the price is going down and you're thinking, oh my God, have I made a huge mistake? And frankly, if you invest the way we do, the mistakes are huge. They, you don't get little mistakes investing rule one style. You're in big time on companies. And, uh, and if, they, if it's not a good, a good purchase, you're going to feel it, the impact of that in your future. Right? And, and the reason for that is simply because if you don't take a big stake, you're going to diversify yourself into a mediocre return. You were about to say something right there. It was there, and then maybe not. It went away. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I was about to say something. So, um, <laughs> point being that you've got to make your own decision, and I don't think you're going to be able to do that in the next day or two. I think you're going to have to do the work. I so remembered. I feel a little bit protected from that. Yes, and I what I also want to do here, since you've done the work, and now I'm really excited. Because you get very like excited about, I mean, we all do, right? But you especially, I would say, get very excited about the stuff you own. And since you've bought it, that means you've done the inversion and you've yeah. thought a lot about the bad stuff. So that's what I want to hear. I want to hear the bad stuff You do <laughs> about what is maybe the greatest company in the world. That's the stuff that interests me. Okay. The well, good stuff is easy to find out about. I want to hear that stuff too, but... Uh, okay, so I'm the, very the, intrigued by how you go through that, and and then the decision to um, to not support the inversion, I think, is something that as as individual investors we grapple with constantly. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so the first the, of all, mm. what is the event? that's happening right now. Okay, the event is that inflation has taken off and the response to inflation is for the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. And when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, the value of the stock market for people who believe in modern portfolio theory, which is virtually everybody out there except us, um, including the SEC, when the, when, the, when the rates go up, the value of the market goes down. When recession, when the rates go up, recession is much more likely. The combination of those two things, recession and rising interest rates, means that growth companies, the FANG companies in particular, um, are likely to grow slower than what was projected in the past. And so if they're priced to perfection for a certain level of growth, then if the growth level slows down, then the price is wrong. And that's the way all of the market tries to play this. And so, so what you're saying is that the the price of Google has been adjusted to reflect that people buying expect it to continue to grow at a very high rate, higher than other yes. comparable companies, let's yes. say. Yes. And therefore, you would justifiably, one would justifiably pay more because that company is going to grow at such a high rate that you will get the same or bigger return in the future than you would a different company that you may have to adjust for a lower rate of growth. Yeah. So one of the I things very, that, I've strongly disagree with the growth versus value so model I. of stock. It's, it's complete BS. But so when you said growth, I was like, ah. Okay. Yeah. So these are these are quote growth stocks, the rest of the market is believing in this bit of witchcraft. 
that there are yeah. growth stocks and there are value stocks. And, and, but the, and that they're totally different than value stocks. Like that's yeah. the part I'm like, they're the same. Somehow they're it's, totally different. Somehow like a they're whole totally different world. Different. Yeah. And they act that they, like they are. They So they price these companies to have this massive growth and they don't price them to have the massive growth over the next 10 years. They price them to have the massive growth right now, right now. And it just, yes. again, underlines how short term this market really is. When you get to Wall Street, it's all about what's, what are you doing for me right now? And so they're pricing everything for that. And as a result, all of these companies are tumbling. Facebook tumbled massively because there's gigantic uh, questions about regulators stepping in, that there's an entire generation of, I guess, Gen Xs that think using Facebook is for their parents. So you've got you've got a potential yeah, of a generational sure. shift Millennials, here. I mean. Hmm? Even millennials after, think what's that? What's after? I mean, yeah, like, I'm, I think I'm borderline millennial and Gen X. And I was either the same year or very close to Mark Zuckerberg when he um, started Facebook. I was in college in Boston when he started Facebook. And so we are the ones that got started in college. Um, so the question is, are you Facebook generation or not? It would not. Are, yes, not. not. <laughs> no, because well, that is 100% true. I'm very sorry, but the second my parents got on Facebook, I was like... Facebook this is, is this is going nowhere. We're moving to Instagram. And yeah. now Instagram is becoming, I mean, Kylie Jenner just about tanked Instagram the same way she tanked Snapchat. I know, it not that something? Just like two weeks ago. Which tells you and, the depth of that moat is shallow. Oh, for sure. Right? Same thing with Facebook. It just says uh, this network moat can be destroyed by one really influential person. It's entirely possible. I mean, they can really wreck it. I don't know if they can destroy it. Well, but, it's very easy to leave, right? So yeah. Whereas how does that... Google doesn't have yeah. that problem. Yes. Google is this monolithic search engine that has just dominated everything. And there are no competitive search engines in the, in the offing that can somehow overtake because Kylie Jenner doesn't like Google search. It just doesn't it, it just isn't that way at all google search is a network moat that has algorithms behind it that are also secret moat that they that you, you don't know how to replicate it it's the, the result of 10 years of incredible research yeah so much um, much better position in the market than facebook but uh, yes i i agree with you on that but so what i find interesting is that it is lumped in with these other companies. Well, lumping them together in is more so what about you're saying is the Okay. So what you're saying is the event is a it's not individual to any it's not we're talking about Google. It's not individual to Google, is what right. you're saying. It's right. a macro concern about upcoming interest rates, upcoming economic future, upcoming inflation. Yep, exactly. And that That's maybe like I, anonymous investor, paid too much, and so yeah. I better get out. Yep. 
Yep, hundred yeah. percent right. And then you have you know the a reduction of ad revenue, and you, Google's going to experience a recession. Okay, and we just got to remember that in a recession, wonderful companies emerge from the recession owning more of the business because everything weak gets worse results, and often just goes away. Okay. So okay, positive, yay, positive. But tell me more about <laughs> more about the inversion, the bad stuff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's a bad thing that's happening to Google that's not, you know, vaguely macroeconomic worries. They are having lower ad revenue. Yeah. And but that is not that is that's that's the first level of problem. And the inversion is, oh, they're going to always have lower ad revenue. Yeah, that would be the inversion, which what else is going on there? So lower ad revenue. Yeah. So that's nonsense. Obviously, if you look a little farther in the future, hold on, just you look a little opinion. All right. Let me just finish. Okay. You you look a little farther in the future than tomorrow and the next year. And obviously the recession will get over. When the recession is over, then ad revenue will return. It's that simple. So that's the that's a rebuttal to that inversion. It's a short term inversion. The next one is not. The next inversion is political uh, risk, which is that Congress gets involved, U.S. lawmakers get involved and decide to break these companies up. So they go after Amazon to break it up or to prohibit it from growing. They go after Facebook to break it up. I mean, these companies have a lot of, of companies within them. Mm-hmm. And the, as they continue to acquire these companies, they're getting more and more wrath of Congress that uh, people are starting to, you know, rattle their sabers like we need to break these guys up. And it's coming from they both have sides. A tremendous amount of power. Tremendous, tremendous power. Tremendous. Yeah. Unbelievable information based power. Yeah, exactly. And there's very there's there's amazing um, agreement between the left and the right political spectrum that Facebook has too much power, but the agreement is just over that. the The agreement isn't about why they have too much power. Right? You said Facebook. Did you Facebook. mean Google? No, I meant Facebook. Facebook because Facebook is the fire is the is the front. They're the they're the front of of the spear here. They're the tip of the spear in terms of what's coming, um, and so as in like they're the most disliked. They're the most disliked and they're the most obviously manipulative of data. Not enough manipulation from the left, way too much manipulation from the right. They both have this grievance and both of them have congressmen and those congressmen are looking to break up the business. That would be that would be the big risk. So then the question is, what is the spillover of that onto companies like Amazon or Google or Apple? Right. What happens to those companies? And then to get, I think, to understand that there's much less risk or much more risk, depending on how the how good the the um, how good the mode is. 
then when you look at Google, you start to think, well, what can they do to, to derail the search engine? Which is effectively the biggest part of Google's business. What can they do to derail that? So they're not, they're not going to try to derail the, the uh, cloud business because that's competitive to AWS and Microsoft. So they like that. Let's have more competition. So that part of the business is the fastest growing part of Google, and that's not going to get derailed. Um, when you so, say derailed, what does that mean? It means find some way to legislate against the continued growth of Google. Legislate. I don't, and the question is, how would they do that? You're looking puzzled, and so is everyone else. How would they regulate the search engine? I mean, it's free, so you don't have to pay. Um, advertising seems to be not a problem. But what, what would they do? How would they try to make search engines competitive? And, and it's an odd uh, way of framing it. I mean, the concern, to my knowledge, is not that the search engine is so good or something. <laughs> the concern is in the monopoly power of one entity and the amount of information they have about each person that uses them, such that when I search on Google for pens, then they can use that information to sell me cloud services that might, you know, replace the pen I was about to buy. Yeah. So that's the antitrust monopoly concern that uh, that many people, as you pointed out, on both sides have. I'm not sure there's necessarily, maybe you have an example I don't know about, but that there's specific legislation around specific search stuff. I've, to me, that doesn't sound like much of a concern. It's more about general privacy, general information gathering, use of that information, and the sharing of that information amongst many connected entities within a conglomerate, such as home, uh, oh gosh, what are those called? The Internet of Things, the the IoT, you know, Google owns Nest, as you pointed out. So like, you know, maybe Nest figures out that I had a fire because the smoke alarm went off and I need to buy the new pens. And, you know, these are terrible examples, but it's the point is it's weaving information about one particular person and what's happening in their life. And that information can be used, uh, hopefully, as Google's motto is, don't be evil with that information. And a lot of people think they have been already. I don't know what, I'm not sure what your point is. What, what is your point about this? My point is that the worry is that Google knows so much about each of its users because of its many um, points of contact with us. All the different facets of Google track us and have information about what we're doing. And then Google can use that and connect the dots or they could not. And so what you know, if they were broken up, it would be to prevent them from being able to use that information. But that's exactly that the point. They can't just be broken up. They could be prevented from using it. But then again, every other search engine would be prevented from using it. No, because every other search engine doesn't own, you know, smoke alarms and uh, 
whatever the Google uh, little talkable box thing is. That's yeah. not, not Alexa, yeah, the but other the one. other one. Um, Nest. You know, that thing and, uh, and your emails, you know, they read our emails. Um, I mean, <laughs> to make a list of all the ways Google knows about us uh, it would be a very long list. So your, sure your, your argument, your inversion is that they would be forced to not use any of that data and therefore their ad revenue would be less because it would be less effective. That would be your point. I mean, somehow um, you got to cut I'm into this. My point money. is why, why legislators and citizens are concerned about the monopoly power of Google. All right. Well, you got to bring the point back to how this hurts so, the company. Yeah. So let's, so how does it hurt the company to break it up? I think no, it hurts you're not the company it in that, you're not breaking it up. What do you mean? You're just removing this data. You know, you're saying, okay, you're saying somehow remove Google Nest from Google. But yeah. the problem is you've got the vast majority of data that Google collects is from people searching for things. How do you disconnect that? I mean, I don't know. That's a lot of data. Is that the vast majority? Oh, yeah. I don't know that's, that that's the vast majority. That's how they learn the most about you. You sure you search for stuff. It's not your email and calendars and no. home information. No, no, it's it's this vast amount of search data that you do. So Where when you start you looking that? all over the net, I can't believe you just said that. Is it from their annual report? You just dig, you dig, and you read, and here comes this information. Okay. So you think you think that it's coming from Nest or from your Gmail that they read or right? Maybe that would sure be my I don't know the, the answer. I don't know the answer. Uh, my guess is that they know a lot more about me from my email than from my internet searching. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it is my occasional Okay, but your point is there's pens. the inversion is that they're going to remove their ability to have this information. And that is going to crush Google. I'm not making a point about any of it. I'm saying that the concern about any governmental in, uh, um, incursion, shall we say, into Google would be to prevent that type of information sharing between the various entities owned by Alphabet. Yep. I, so I you could do that in true. two ways, as you pointed out. So one way would be Alphabet stays intact and you create some kind of legislation about sharing amongst entities. And the other way would be not do the legislation. Smaller companies can still do the sharing between various um, products they have, which is a very valuable thing that a lot of consumers want. But the giant ones, the Googles, aren't allowed to do it they do it in the sense that they just need to be broken up. So okay. those are two ways it could go. Or nothing okay. could happen. Okay. So how would that affect the bottom line? Um, I think you're right. I think it would affect, it would, it would affect their ability to profile us. It would affect their ability to sell um, de-identified information which is a huge, I don't know about Google in particular, but that's a huge moneymaker around data. And gosh, my voice, I'm sorry. 
<clears throat> and it would change the way Google operates fundamentally. So as a shareholder, what would happen is you would maintain shares in the various companies that got split off. I would imagine that's typically what happens. But, uh, but would they have the same kind of effect? The same kind of power with less information? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, certainly Google has an enormous amount of power. I mean, they, they own the, um, the operating system for 3 billion phones, as we said last time. Oh, yeah. And the phones. Good Lord. I guarantee you they know a lot about us from locations rather yeah, than... Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's agreed with you. That's, that's a huge part of what they do. <laughs> right? So, you know, Google is out there big time collecting this data. No, no question about it. Um, so what they want to know is they want to know how secure that data is being held. And, um, and you know, regulators are pushing to rein in the power of these companies. There's no question about that. So I don't know where it's going to go, honestly. But I think that it's unlikely that it damages the value of Google any more than it damages the value of Apple. That, you know, Apple and Google are the two that collect all that data. So, yeah. And it's an interesting um, converse method of handling it because Apple has decided to come out and be the so-called privacy company, super obsessed with not using our data and letting us know how they're tracking us and da, 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 da. Yeah. You know, whether they're really doing a very good job of that, I'm not convinced. But they're trying to really separate themselves from Google in that aspect. Um, so it's interesting about the, the branding. I, mean, I, I don't think we're being like super helpful here for everybody, honestly. It just sort of feels like we're wandering around this this subject and it, a part of it is just that it's a complex subject. Um, I well, mean, I'm making a list of the sort of events. So I've got lower ad revenue and I've got risk of antitrust breakup. Yeah. And I, I just, it's really hard to get your head around what that means. This isn't, you know, an oil company. Um, this is about data collection and data security more than anything, probably. But these guys are massive. I mean, you know, three billion cell phones operate on Google. Google's got some tremendous power to push back on these regulators. And what I've seen so far, Europe is more kind of ahead on the regulatory front than the United States. They're a little more aggressive over there. Or and privacy. They're, they're, yeah, they're looking at privacy, which I, I don't think that damages Google in the long run. And they're looking at, um, at kind of dinging Apple and Google on relatively small things. You know, it's like they're looking at I don't know what, what's what's some of the products that they make. Oh yeah, Google's App Store. The way they charge people, the way Apple charges people to develop for the App Store. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, are you being overly dominant? Are you being overly monopolistic? Yeah. Right. I, I don't think they these things are going to affect them in the long run. And at the end of the day, there's always the question of effectiveness. I mean, we all benefit from Google being very effective, and it's very effective because it has a lot of information about what we're looking for. So yeah. I, I, there's that so tension there, between the two things. Are there other factors? There's the lower av ad revenue and then the, the risk of the of breakup slash maybe some effect of privacy laws. Because you're right, the GDPR in Europe is very onerous on companies. Um, um, yeah, so 
anything else going on? Nothing huge. I mean, they're not in the same position as Facebook by any means. Um, but to just kind of look at this, um, I'm checking our stuff. I mean, there's always this technology risk that somebody in the garage comes up with something else that's way better. True. And, oh, know. I think that's a really good one. Yeah. You know, you, you have to, you always have to look at that in a tech company. We don't really see that happening with this. Um, it's, I always think of Netscape. <laughs> Remember Netscape? Yeah. Netscape is gone. Netscape was so, it was on every single computer and then it wasn't. Yeah. Somebody just came out with something so much better. Um, and I just, you know, at this point, I just think that Google is, Google has one more huge moat and it's kind of the same kind of moat that Goldman Sachs has, which is it attracts the very brightest people there are. And getting, getting to go to work for Google is just this huge advantage and for your career. So as long as Goldman Sachs keeps collecting the smartest people coming out of business schools, they're probably going to keep doing very, very well in their business because it's driven so much by pure brain power. And I think the same thing applies to Google and applies to Apple. These, these companies have a huge moat when it comes to where people want to go to work. When they're super smart, they can work anywhere they want to. They're looking at prestigious places to work where you can really accomplish some great things and you're surrounded by brilliant people that's who they're collecting. So that's been a moat for Goldman Sachs for a long, long time. And I think it's a moat for Google and Apple as well. Hmm, that's so, a good point. Very tough to break that up. That, that's really hard for there to be an inversion around that moat. So those are the big, those are the big ones, I, I would say. Just I have, what is Google's moat as our next big question? Yeah. I'm excited. All right, well, let's look at that next time. I feel like I bummed you out this time. I feel like you threw me off my game here. It's like, <laughs> damn, I may not have these inversions quite as solid as I think. That's usually what happens, right? If you start questioning somebody about something and they start being a little irritated, it's often because they don't have the answers. Oh, and it I, happens to me every time with every bloody company. Yeah. Every time. I hate it when you do that to me, Dan. I go and tell Nuno how excited I am and he's immediately like, well, what's their blah, 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 blah. And I'm like... <laughs> I have never heard of those words. I will go and <laughs> Google what those mean. I'm gonna and have then to, I will let you I'm know. I'm going to have to dig in deeper to this the potential for a real problem with legislative risk. Well, I'll give, I'll give you the summary. <laughs> Nobody knows. That's the summary. It's a, legal, it's a legal issue. And that's why... Yeah. Um, actually, I, I have thought for a number of years that investing around antitrust questions and around like some legal cases would be a really interesting approach that I might, once my brain starts working yeah. really well again, get into because if people get really nervous around that stuff, there's no, and with justifiably, there's no way to predict the outcome. You can have a really solid argument and the judges at that level can still go the other way uh, based on public policy. Yep. So it's hard to know. And when you get to that kind of massive conglomerate top of the worldwide economy chain, it almost always comes down to public policy mm. and, uh, and choosing the right thing for the future of the industry for competition and, um, and without, without trying to harm something that somebody's created. so Well, I'm going to wrap it with this is, one thing, and, this, and that is that, it's fascinating. that the whole purpose of the antitrust 
movement, trust busting, is to give the public a better product at a lower yeah. price. Yep. They like competition and they like low prices. Well, Google's product gets better and better the more of a monopoly it is, and the price is free. So <laughs> that tough, is so untrue. I'm sorry to tell guys. you that is not true. It is true. We'll talk about the it more price next time. Is our information. Oh God. Okay. Until then I just have to as a as somebody fine. who's done privacy law, that if you ever download a free app, everybody knows this. You pay for it with your email. You pay for it with just, them tracking just, what you're doing on it. Just gives me a headache. Like people to this. just need to be aware of that because that, so many that people cost you? are not. Does that cost you? Do you see your bank account go down at all when you like provide your information? No. no. Which you. is why we all do it. Oh my god! So that's what <laughs> my generation means by free. We yeah. mean our bank account doesn't go down at all when we use this product. All right. It, we're simplistic and stupid. I know. You know what would be all great right. is if your bank account went up when you offered some of your personal information oh. out. All right. Because Brilliant. those companies are making bank off of us. Brilliant. It's fascinating, actually. Brilliant. This is how you kill you don't the care. goose. No, it's how you kill the goose. The goose is laying <sighs> these golden eggs of fabulous information free. And what do we do? We find a way to choke it. Okay, that's my personal opinion. All right, until next time. You can argue right. that next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Time to go play. Thank <laughs> goodness. All right, bye. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.